What's up, everyone? Welcome to an all-new episode. This is Unbuckled Chinstrap, and I'm your host, Paul Rabel. This week's guest is my first player who does not play in the PLL. She plays in the WPLL. That's the Women's Professional Lacrosse League, and her name is Alex Ost. Not only a star-studded attacker for the Pride in Team USA, but she's taken her game to social, and she's now influencing people across all of her social mediums, not only young, but older men's and women's lacrosse players on what it's like to be a full-time professional athlete. And I'm calling it right now. If you follow her on Instagram and Twitter, she's a great follow there, but follow her on TikTok. I think if she keeps up her cadence, she is going to be a very famous TikToker, and that could also put our sport on the map. So keep doing it, Alex. In addition to all that on the show, we talked about her being recruited to Maryland when she first started playing basketball and picked up a stick and became really good at it, then how she helped the team win a national championship her freshman year, and she was on the losing end her senior year. That was a lot of what I experienced in college. And we talk about her morning routine, and most importantly, her and her colleagues' efforts to push the women's lacrosse game into the spotlight. So let's get right to it. Here's Alex Ost. Awesome. We have Alex Ost in the house. What's up, Paul? I'm so excited you're here. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we we announced a partnership with the WPL a year ago, and we hosted two events together in Boston and Baltimore. We're figuring out how this partnership is going to continue to evolve in 2020. But at the core of both of our leagues are players. And you have been a full-time lacrosse player and probably one of the first women's professionals that are full-time in the sport, one of, in whether that's a dozen or fewer. And that's a meaningful step. So, so tell me what it's like to be a full-time professional women's lacrosse player. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I think if you were to have told me this when I was younger, I would have never even I thought that it was possible. I mean, I think even still, I kind of think, is it possible? Just because, you know, we've had kind of had to pivot and change myself professionally in my career and just subsidizing with, you know, camps and clinics and coaching and stuff like that, as most professional lacrosse players know or have had to do. But um, it's crazy. I mean, it's awesome. I love this ride and I love that I get to still play the sport I love and still get to kind of be a part of it some way, whether it's coaching or playing. What do you think about in the mornings when you wake up? Like, is it is it advancing your career? Is it training? Is it, hey, media? Is it a combination of both? Like, Oh, man, right in the morning, I don't think about anything. I'm a terrible, I'm not a morning person. Oh, you're not? I, but um, you have, like, a morning routine. Yes, surely. of course, of do course. Okay. But okay. I, but it's slow. Like, it is yeah. slow. I'm not, like, a wake up in the morning, get right after it. Um, so what is it? Uh, I wake up. I mean... Ideally, I would like to get my like nine plus hours of sleep. Nine plus. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I've That's always like been an advocate of sleep. Shit. Yeah. yeah. But now sleep is like catching on. It's trendy. But like before everyone was like, you know, all the millionaires don't sleep. Don't sleep. Right. And right. now I'm like, no, 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 guys. This sleep is very important. But um, yeah, my morning I wake up. Um, I have to plan out my weeks like well. I like to give like a Sunday brain dump to then kind of go on just because I move week to week or whether it's my multiple businesses and coaching, my club program, um, planning summer stuff, or it's act- and then actually my training. Um, but as far as making that focus, it's kind of batched into different times. My morning is really kind of my time to just ease into it, wake up. I like to drink my tea. I like to, I've been reading the Daily Stoic for almost a year and a half now, just kind of those daily readings. Yeah. Um, try and journal if I'm g- not going to be lazy. And then I'll attack kind of my emails and do the background stuff. Then I'm I'm more of like a midday workout training kind of person. Yep. 
Um, and you're also a fitness instructor. Yes. How, how busy does that keep you? Um, it's, it's great. I actually love it. It's, I would say, so I only teach about four times a week. Um, that's, depending. that's material. Yes, that's it is. Right. But, um, for me, it's like coaching. It's like playing. It's like performing almost. Um, so the prep work definitely goes into it. The making the playlist, making the sequences, um, kind of doing all that stuff. But then when I'm actually showing up in there, it's just it's really fun. It's just kind of another way to connect with people and push other people and be competitive, but also you know lead and coach. And um, I really enjoy doing it. It doesn't really truly feel like a job. I think probably because it is only two to four hours a week mm. instead of you know every single day. And at our nature, we're performers. So that skill set. <laughs> yeah, I would say I, I definitely, well. you know, let's say I'm a little bit of a performer, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're, we'll talk about social too. You're active on social. We're both active on social, but I think uh, in between, you know, the, the, the crevices in life are people that make assumptions that a performer is just, a, you know, innately a performer where, you know, behind the scenes, I, I took improv classes and I cool. took acting classes and, there's a way, there are ways like getting in front of camera or getting in front of a lens is uncomfortable for anyone, no matter who you are, just as, you know, some athletes will say they don't get nervous for games, bullshit. Right. So I would, I would venture to guess that your instruction on the fitness side is also good repetition for what you do on social and, you know. Yeah, totally. I mean, right. Exactly. You just said, um, I used to teach this Monday class that was like the Monday class. It had like 50 people show up, have actually like had a couple of PLL guys that used to come all the time. Callum was a regular of mine. What's up, Callum? Yeah, but, um, and I would get nervous before it just because it was like my time to shine. I was a new sequence every time. And um, I, I, it sounds silly, but it was kind of like the way I would feel before a game, you know, just even though you put in all this prep work and everything, um, you still need that kind of sense of confidence. And like you said, that really only comes from repetition and building that trust within yourself that you can do it or can perform. How do you keep your schedule coherent, so to speak, when you travel so much? You do your brain dumps on Sunday, so you probably take a look at what the weeks ahead, whether it's travel or if you're at your home base in Baltimore. If you're home base, then you probably have your four weeks of class or four days of yep. classes, and then you're integrating your training and all your other stuff. So, is it uh, it, it is that part of your life also agile, so you can instruct when you're available, and then you can pull back when totally. you're totally yeah, definitely. Um, it's Definitely something that I've had the privilege of being able to kind of fit into my schedule and mold uh, and be flexible with it. I wish I could do it more. Where can I love people find it. out and take your classes? Uh, so I teach at Core Power in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, do you ever do Core Powers elsewhere when you're no, traveling? No. So you they. Should. I know. I don't think that that's like an option. I yeah. think it's kind of. Um, I I should look into it. I do. I've kind of been venturing into a little bit of pop up classes here and there, which has been really fun. I'm like two weeks from now. I'm doing a crunch and brunch at Banditos. Shout out oh, in Federal that. Hill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's a crunch? And brunch? <laughs> so, so it's you're exactly drinking and working out. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. I have some people that show up just to work out. I have some people that show up just to drink. But I offer both. I'm yeah. not going to discriminate here. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And is no. The it's, food good. Yeah. Oh my the god. It's great. Yeah. You Let me give a food? quick Come shout on. out to Banditos. So Banditos, <laughs> we did a deal with for our Baltimore games. Yes. And. They had, I believe it was a $50 all-you-can-eat-and-drink-and-two-tickets-to-our-games, and then we bust people from Banditos right. to the Saturday Night Atlas Whips game for all that watched Atlas won that game. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so so Core Power should endorse you. I mean, have yeah. Have you talked about it? Have you so thought about Core how to get in there? Are they franchise-based? No, they're actually not. Oh. So they have a couple franchises, that they can, and they kind of cut that short. Yep. Um 
My thing is I've learned so much from them. I think it's really crazy, you know, learning how to coach. I learned I learned how to coach from my coaches for, at Maryland. You know, like they really yeah. put us through how to teach how someone how to cradle from the ground up or, you know, pass and stuff like that. At the college level. Yes. Yeah, so like yes, we would so run their camp. The yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. yes. Yes. But um, as well, like I felt like Kathy put me she develops coaches like that's just what she does if you look at I mean the NCAA women's game I think Maryland has to lead in the amount of alums that are in the coaching world so core power kind of did the same thing for me with yoga and with um fitness instructing so I will forever be grateful for that I think that for the future for me I um would kind of like to have my own Alex Ross spin on it you know like take what I've learned and take what I love from other classes and maybe you know, do some of that around town. Yeah. Not really limit myself. Not that that would be limiting. It would be awesome, but kind of be able to make my own thing that works for what has worked for me. You talked about uh, your first response to would you have ever imagined yourself as a full-time professional lacrosse player? I would qualify it more as a professional athlete given your passion for fitness and what you do in, fi in fitness. When did you... When did you first get your stick and when did you really fall in love with lacrosse for the first time? Was it later? I mean, we had we had uh, Hartzell on the show last week and, you know, he didn't start playing until high school. Yeah. Um, so I got my first stick in fourth grade um, and I was fortunate enough that it was offered at my school. I went to a really, really small private school and had my, my parents had never played it. My dad played basketball and football, um, so I had already played basketball. And every other like soccer, actually you're a did good karate. basketball player. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I seen that jumper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought I was going to the WNBA. Honestly, up until like freshman year of college, I was like, I still got this. Wow. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You still I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I love basketball. Basketball is definitely my first love, which I know is similar to you. Yeah. Um, and then I started playing lacrosse in fourth grade, and it kind of was just always that like release from basketball. It was always you know those in long indoor seasons in the winter and then I was so excited to get outside and just run really fast and kind of have that full field to be able to like get into my stride so I fell in love with lacrosse I wouldn't say it was like off the jump like I got my stick and I was like throwing it up against the wall every day because really where I was from no one played I didn't, I didn't really watch a lot of it yeah. I never I mean I went to like the men's final fours here and there but I never really watched women's lacrosse and um I kind of fell in love with it once I started really getting good at it. And I was just kind of like, wow, this is really fun. I've Basketball is just so freaking competitive. I played on a really awesome AAU basketball team. Almost every single girl on my team played Division One basketball. I was the only one to not play basketball in college. And it was kind of at that level where I was like, all right, I want to play at the highest level no matter what sport. I don't care. I just wanted to play at the highest level of competition possible. Lacrosse was kind of – I saw was going to be my path to be able to – do that yeah. and then I just really dove all in we've talked about it a, f a few times on my other podcast suiting up that there's this notion that passion our passion is somewhere out there and we have to go find it we have to go discover it where in actuality it lives inside of us and it is in a way discovered through trial and error but it gets amplified in us when we discover something or we start doing something that we become good at and the better you get at something, the more likely it is that whatever it is to become your passion. 
and I experienced the same thing. That's why, that's why I say that. Like lacrosse was kind of second or third to me behind basketball and soccer, but I got really good at it and it quickly became my favorite right. thing to do because I was good at it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which isn't a selfish thing. It's just like, hey, you the benefit you get in life, whether you're a world-class accountant and you break off from an org to run your own CPA practice, and then all of a sudden you, you know, build a bunch of clients and you're flying first class, you love accounting. Right. Right. And and that person may have not have, you know, grown up wanting to be an accountant. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh Maryland and uh the, the perennial program there. It sounds like you you were like stumbling through your interest in lacrosse. You got good at it, but like Maryland being recruited there is no small feat. I they know. were the best team in the country ever. <laughs> I ever. know. So how, like, was that, um, what was that experience like? Were so you- similarly, I uh, basically went to a different high school that, to play lacrosse and basketball, Bullis. It's in Potomac, Maryland, far drive for me for school. But um, after my freshman year, I didn't play club lacrosse until my freshman summer. So And club was bigger on the women's side than it was yeah, the men's side. Yeah, it's massive. So that's where you get recruited, even still. I mean, high schools, of course, you have your top high schools that, um, you know, showcase certain athletes but club is kind of where the college coaches will see or at least are exposed to you so or you're exposed to them I just kind of got like a nudge from a teammate of mine in high school and was like hey come try out for this club team made the team and that was kind of the step after where after that summer my coaches kind of we always had coaches meetings and they sat my dad down and were like listen like Alex is getting looks from big time schools and he was like okay what's like what's a big time school you know just really not having any idea like at all where I ranged where and they said you know Maryland's looking at her Northwestern's looking at her North at this time Northwestern was during their like stint of winning back to back to back and my dad was like holy shit okay yeah. uh Alex you could do that like you could actually do this if you if you want like you could do this and that moment was probably yeah my freshman year I was like all right Let's go and and Marilyn looked out, um, reached out to my club coaches and kind of the rest was history. Met Kathy and was that were there others? There were yeah, close? Um, yeah, of course. Uh, I got, I was really privileged and got to visit tons of different schools. My dad was so annoying with making me visit. Like, I think I literally went to t- like 15, 20 visits. Well, that's a good lesson. Great lesson. And also, my sister got dragged along to all of those too. So yeah. that was good. But she ended up playing with me at Maryland as well. Um, but there were things, my thing is, and this is kind of how I am with everything is like, I love, I can find something I love about almost anywhere and anything. Which makes it a hard decision. Yes. And I think my dad knowing that about me was like, all right, let's calm down. Like, let's go look at small, big, public, private, far away from home, close from home, just everything. And, um, it really came down to North Carolina and Maryland, which was, is kind of, it's still kind of the, you know, the girls, the top, top girls final decision i would say and northwestern was in there when i was playing which yes. was 2004 to 8 yeah and she's a maryland alum yeah um and so and i loved it up there it was a little too cold for me now acacia is taking bc yes, up there yes exactly another maryland alum so you know you see the pattern here <laughs> I, yeah, I see the family tree yes now. so um but yeah after i went down to north carolina i loved it fell in love with the school and came back to maryland and met Kathy and I just knew like I after meeting her I knew that that's exactly where I wanted to be so I I, when I was building was being forced to build pros and cons uh, I I totally identify what you're going through because there's the the macro of lacrosse program how good they are right then there's do you like the coaches do you like the players that are kind of like one b and c and then there's academics and then there's social life those are like the three things that people first look at and then as you visit you start getting a better understanding. For example, 
when you're recruited and if you visit a school, it's not about necessarily the entire four classes that are at that school when you visit. Totally. It's more about who the freshmen are because they're going to be sophomores ostensibly when you go to that school and those are going to be right. the people that you form your relationship with more than the seniors are going to be gone. Yeah. So those were that that was like kind of micro level stuff. I was really indexing on academics and it's kind of leaning towards social life. Um, and then as I went through the process, Hopkins and the essence of lacrosse history jumped more towards the top. Was there anything that changed for you? Yeah, um, I think exactly like you just said, right? You look at the players that you're gonna play with and you look at the culture and if the culture's kind of been repeating itself and just, and I just truly found that at Maryland. Like, so Caitlin McFadden, now Caitlin Phipps was a senior when I was a freshman and she's the one that toured me around and just even talking to her, you just, I kind of felt that this culture was here to stay. That's exactly what they implemented. And I think arguably it's still the exact same that it is today in 2020, which is crazy. And I don't know how, I mean, I know how, cause Kathy's the best, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I think it was really finding out and like digging deep and what makes me happy or what makes me tick. And for that, I think I needed my family close. I needed my mm -hmm. parents to be able to come to my games. Um, and they kind of told me case in point, if you're a flight away, we have two other kids we have to take care of. There's no way that we're gonna be able to make it all your games. Mm -hmm. When really thinking about that, I was like, you know, you think you want to get far away from your parents, but I'm so grateful for them and that they could make it all the time. Um, I wanted a big school. I wanted big ACC at the time. Now, rest in peace, but they're in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, oh, and right. yeah. And, I still uh, forget it. I, I know. It's so weird. But um, yeah, and I think social life too. I think, and that w was a big sell is having lacrosse, academics, and life balance, you know, having kind of the full package and it just... It made sense. Another commonality that I, I pulled from our research team is that you won your freshman year. Yes. National championship yep. and then lost your senior year. Yes. I, the same thing for me. Yeah. Tell me about the differences and the feelings. I mean, are you still over losing your senior year? Are you over it yet? I mean, I would love to have won. <laughs> right. Um, life goes on. Totally. And uh, I've had, you know, pr pretty uh, eventful life post-college so I've uh you know the competitor in me would do anything to go back and try and uh shift that outcome but I also have now perspective that I uh, approached my pro career I think with with larger fangs and more of a bite yeah. because I was coming off of a loss on the biggest stage but totally less about me <laughs> <laughs> that's my avoidance right I'm just kidding um so freshman year one national championship that was incredible I mean I think I was like talk about being bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and being like oh this is my goal we just did it yeah. great and like, we'll do it three more times <laughs> exactly <laughs> and you know I think credit to Maryland and credit to the team but like they always get there and that's and I think I was having this argument with Marcus like a couple of years ago even about LeBron and it was like you know, you, you're, you get to the championship all the time, but like, how can you not have one more? And I'm like, it's so hard to uh, win. Like, on, <laughs> <Give me a laughs> <break>. <laughs> I'm just saying like, it's, it doesn't matter if yeah. you have all the right pieces and everything, but like winning that actual game is really freaking hard. Championships are fucking coin flips. Yeah. Unless you have Michael Jordan. Exactly. Who's six time champion, six time MVP. Right. It's, and of course, and, and it's impressive to get there year after year, and that's not to discredit that, but when that's a standard, like it is, it's hard to get over that hump. So freshman year, we do it. We had an incredible senior class, like some of the best leadership I've ever had in my life. And 
by the time I was a senior, you know, it's your team. It's what you want to kind of portray. And I really, it was myself, Katie Schwarzman, or now Katie Haas, um, were the two captains. And we wanted what our seniors did for us. And, you know, we knew how great we were. We had Taylor Cummings as a freshman, you know, mm-hmm. like already off the bat, I was like, this is the best lacrosse player of all time. Like we knew how amazing she was going to be. I knew how much we needed her. Um, undefeated the whole season and then beat Carolina twice that year, regular season and an ACC, and then lost in triple overtime by one goal in the national championship game. And like you said, Paul, like from that, of course, like it definitely still strikes a bit of a chord, but I learned so much from that game and from that season, so much more than I could have ever learned from winning that national championship my freshman year. Like I will, of course, like season ends, it ends like that. And then I'm like, well, what's ne- what now? I had not tried out for the U.S. team up until this point because I was probably a little bit, to, I don't want to say insecure, but just didn't know if it was if I was good enough for it. One, yeah. two, just was really really focused on Maryland and one at my college team. Um, but at that moment, I was like, oh my god, lacrosse is done. Like I'm not playing for the U.S. team. I'm not a professional. There wasn't a professional league yet, and it like really ate at me. Like I didn't know what to do. And you know, you do something since you're four years old, not just lacrosse, but athletics since you're four years old every day for a couple hours with your best friends. And then it just stops. Um, It was tough. It was definitely like a little bit of a life crisis there. That August after we lost, I got a call from Ricky Freed, who is the U S coach actually calling me up to the U S team, which was like unheard of at that time. We had had tryouts every year, but it was a year post world cup. And like you said, like, I think I just had a different mentality. Like I was like, okay, this is my second chance. This is my opportunity to do it differently, but also just like look at it from a completely different lens Um, and go on to have played in, you know, the World Cup in 2017, which was amazing. Let's take a quick break from the conversation with Alex. This episode is being supported by our own merchandise platform, shop.premierlacrosseleague.com. Yes, insert Premier Lacrosse League merchandise to your weekly cadence of what it is you're wearing. Represent the PLL. It is the best sports league in the world, and we have a kick-ass logo that people love, and we have awesome players that you should be repping their jerseys or T-jerseys. That's all I've got to say about this ad. Shop.premierlacrosseleague.com. It has everything. Do your job and support the league like we do. Maybe that'll work. And if it doesn't, I'll go back to reading a calmer read next week. You set records with assists, but yes. from the, the Alex that I know in watching, you're now like a, a perennial goal scorer. Right. It's 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 definitely a little different. Um, you know, in college, I think I just had the ball in my stick a lot more, and yeah. um, I had. I mean, it's just so different. I mean, you know, like playing together every single day. And I had some of the best finishers on my team. And I had Taylor Cummings and I had Katie Schwarzman drawing number one and number two defenders. You know, it was just a different role that I was playing on that Maryland team. An incredible role, one that I loved so, so much. And from playing basketball, it was really natural for me. I was a point guard in basketball and that's kind of how I played. Now, I just think with my older age and just maybe kind of not being able to play with the same group of girls every single day I've slotted into that little bit more off ball role and kind of being a finisher which is kind of where I was on the U.S. team as well and bottom line making that U.S. team I mean we had Kayla Trainer, we had Michelle Tumalo like we had people that with the ball were doing things that 
females had never done before. And if I was going to step on that field, I didn't care if I had the ball in my stick or not, or if I was scoring or feeding. I just wanted to be on that team. So it was kind of like, how do I make the coaches not be able to yeah. not take me? That, that's what I love about pro sports is that you can go all the way back to college football prior to the lift of the NFL in the 60s and same thing with college basketball and what we see now and and even the uncertainty of someone a superstar like Zion like how he is going to develop over the next 15 years right. of his career is like college sports are only the beginning of where talent can potentially be or where talent will fizzle off and you know, I, whether it's you or whether it's guys in our league, they develop different skills when they're, by the way, they graduate in their early 20s. Then, you know, they really explode in their ability and their potential. And you see guys who were attackmen that become world class and all world defenders. You see players who are feeders that turn into some of the best finishers of all time. Totally. And uh, and I think it's phenomenal and why, why people and what we're trying to you know, create a seismic shift around the attention to professional lacrosse, WPLL, PLL, and following your favorite players in college and to what they do in their afterlife. And and Marcus Holman's an, an example of that. <laughs> yeah. He was he was an all ball, on ball guy totally. at Carolina. Right. And now he's the best off ball finisher in the world. We we actually Dang, Brett, Brett, he's I gonna hear have, that and really be happy. He's gonna I've told him that <laughs> plenty of times. Can you pull up the, the Q and A? I don't I don't have it with me, but I'll I'll visit that in a second from the prep. We we did Q and A for uh Alex and Marcus to see how well they actually know each other because Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> because you guys are now in a in a place like the the lacrosse power couple and you're on social and let's talk about social for a second. When you graduated from Maryland, did you view it originally as an opportunity to help your professional career? And if no. not, when did that happen? No, my gosh, never. I um, I mean, I feel like Instagram was like kind of becoming big my junior, senior year. Um, I'm very thankful social media wasn't as big while I was in college. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, there needs to be like a sex ed course no, totally. for social oh my media. God. Because right now, like if you're a 10 to 13 year old or 12 to 15 year old and you're spraying the internet, that can cost you a job after 100%. college, can cost you a recruiting opportunity. Right. It's, it's, I mean, I tell my club girls that all the time. Like once you put it out there, it's out there and it's never going to be portrayed the way you want it to. It's however anyone else's eyes are looking at it. You know, I've had to deal with that myself too. And, um, but yeah, so I'm thankful I didn't really have it in college. I was, you know, a little bit like ignorance is bliss. And then um, I just genuinely enjoy it. Like I enjoy being active on social. Yeah. I love seeing what other people are doing. I love kind of, I'm, I'm, I think I'm naturally a little bit of an oversharer about myself. I'm, I'm an open book. I like to talk to people. So it was just a way to kind of do it with, you know, thousands of more people than I would on my own. Then I don't know when it actually like the flip like switched for me because I think it kind of still is. Like, I think I'm, I'm I gen, I think, and that's my biggest thing is like doing it because I enjoy it. And I know it's part of a job and I know that it, um, can have potential to open up so many and it has opened up so many more options for me, but it's weird for me. I, I definitely struggle with that. Like I struggle with the forcing it to like make money piece. Whereas also just like doing it because on this day I genuinely feel like this is what's, you know, Makes yeah. sense for me. What's fun for me? Well, you showcase more than most professionals, agnostic of gender, 
who you are as a person. So it's not just lacrosse. Like I'm always talking about lacrosse in business. I'm envious of your ability to to talk about life, and you you do a good job of like talking about your morning journal and you know waking up and uh, you know uh, gender equality and and kind of diversity and inclusion, and it's all woven into your messaging. But you keep the aesthetic well. So there's well, a, there's a that. lot of yeah there's a lot of <laughs> There, there's a lot of thoughtfulness going on behind the scenes. And uh, and so I've seen it over the last couple of years in particular. And I think oversharing is nice. And, and from an oversharing standpoint, I don't view it as too many posts. I view it as really inviting people into the uh, core of who you are as a person. Well, that's very, I mean, that's very nice of you. Thanks. I, yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely the goal. I mean, I don't, I think it's, so it's just such a cool weird thing right like even you Paul like kids can see an insight into your day and like they aspire to be you and I just think maybe it's because when I was younger like I didn't have any females really that I looked up to in the sport that I could follow or anyone that looked like me that I could kind of be like oh that's what not that everyone should be doing what I'm doing but I don't even know what the hell they were doing you know or if there even was kind of a the female athlete in that space um, and well, there's two things. You talk about uh, being comfortable in your own skin. You talk about the pressure that that women have around looking like, yeah. you know, what we see in advertising totally. and models and Victoria's Secret models and so on. And you also talk about what it's like to be a minority in our sport that still indexes heavily white. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I think, you know, actually I've had some and I think it just sparks conversation, which is great. And I think that's what it's all about and just having people talk about it because of course you're going to feel certain things, but if you don't feel empowered to be able to speak or even, you know, really know what you're feeling or what that's triggering, whether it's, yeah, being a female, a female athlete or just a woman in general, you know, I, I was actually having an awesome conversation two weeks ago at the Under Armour Summit with a bunch of female influencers there. And one of them posed the question, like if we didn't have to wake up every morning and worry about what we looked like, or, you know, put a sports bra on to do a workout video. Um, if we didn't have to spend all that time and prep and just focused on being the best at what we do, like how much better we would be right. Like men, it doesn't really matter. The best of the best in the, on the male side, it doesn't matter what they look like. Of course it helps if they're, you know, attractive to, the general public, but they're not waking up every morning and like putting a full face of makeup on to then go shoot around, you know, like to film themselves and post on social media. So those pressures, it's, it, it is really interesting, you know, how much is focused on it, but then trying to kind of steer away from that and looking at just talent. Like, yep. I don't know. I see both sides. Yeah. No, that we were, there was a conversation that sparked over top of that at the NBA tech summit this weekend where you have a cohort of athletes that don't like the influence of social media because, and I see this online a lot, the, the notion that if you're not posting about your workout, that means you didn't work out. Right. Yeah. And then there's the other side of it, actually, Diana Tarazi was talking about, where if she's in a bad spell of performance and is not active on social, then people also assume that she's not being active and working on her game. And uh, th so, so there's that counterpoint of the pressure of needing to post to feel, to feel like you're doing the work. Uh, and then there's the other side where there are people who are just exclusively posting about their workouts. Right. So they, so, but I, I think that the net of it is social media has created opportunity 
more so than ever for athletes to go direct to their fan base, which totally. has empowered them in way of wages, in way of marketability, right. direct to sponsors, media value. So it's a, it's, it's a net positive. And the other thing is that it's there. So while it's uncomfortable and maybe uh, looked at with disdain from Charles Barkley because it wasn't there when he yeah. was there and he didn't need it, right. uh, that doesn't mean that athletes now shouldn't use it because Charles didn't. It's just part of the opportunity. Totally. And, yeah. that, and if you choose not to use it, then then that's fine. But if you choose to use it, I think it can impact the generation of next female lacrosse players like you're doing. And it can also impact your wallet opportunity in doing right. endorsements, whether it's Under Armour or you do a lot of like bespoke kind of branded content posts for other brands. How yeah. do you find those? <laughs> they find me. They DM you? Yes. It's a mostly, I mean, the How power you go of the DMs. DMs. Uh, talk about it. It is like, <laughs> I mean, I think I've, I've actually tried to like teach Marcus and Will this. I'm like, before you buy something, like just reach out to them, you know, like yeah. just reach out to a brand and see if they'll kind of want to work with you or want to part with you more likely than not. They're going to want to because it's going to be genuine because you genuinely wanted that product. I saw you know? Will Manny post a Keurig. Yes, he did. Did, did he do that because you told him to go yeah, reach pro out? Probably, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> there it is. Um, so you're also impacting the current <laughs> generation of PLL players. Exactly. I mean, it's both. I, um, it's uh, the Instagram and social media is a wild west out there. Um, I've kind of tried to navigate it myself for the most part. I have some people to kind of fall back on and ask questions here and there, but yeah, mostly brands reaching out to me or, um, advertising companies and, um, or vice versa. If it's something I really want, kind of reaching out to them. But it, yeah, it's it's a really cool opportunity. Yeah. So you've been helping Marcus. Yes. And his <laughs> his Instagram following is pretty big. Yeah. He's you know he's a this is like without very trying talented <laughs> cross player who should be and without trying. So if he starts trying, so I saw you guys do a TikTok. Yes. TikTok. It lived on your channel. Yes. Um, all right. So a couple of our researchers when we do these podcasts. <laughs> They uh, they did a how well do you know Marcus Holman segment. <laughs> so what is Marcus's favorite movie? And we we actually reached out to Marcus, so we have um, answers to these. Oh my god, I'm put on the spot right now. His favorite movie. I mean, how, how should you know this? this is no, ridiculous. I feel like no, I do know it. I'm pulp. It's not Pulp Fiction, but it's in that era. Yes, I know, and that's I'm. Ah. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. Right. And I actually haven't seen it. And that's why he's he gives me a lot of crap for that. Oh, it's it's phenomenal. Okay. I feel like you should know this. His okay, favorite well, ice cream flavor. Flavor? I mean, he loves all gelato and ice cream, but uh, <laughs> let's go with mint chocolate chip. Yes. Woo! Let's go. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe you got one of these right. Okay. okay. What is his favorite vacation he has been on with you? With me? Yeah. Tulum. Yep. That's right. Is he an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. Yep, that's right. This is maybe these are too easy. <laughs> What's his biggest pet peeve? Um, I, he like people taking too long. Like he's impatient. <laughs> so what is it? It's it, in parentheses after the answer. It said he's impatient, but <laughs> preceding that, it said people driving too driving slow. Driving too slow. That yes, yeah, yes, yeah. that would be. I saw a bit uh, with Deion Sanders. On Sunday, did you see this? No. He he pulled up and just did a, a selfie video, and he talked about his biggest pet peeve, which is actually mine, and it's people pissing on the toilet seat. Oh my gosh! Wait, no, and I did it was see this. So yes. good. It's so good. It's like if you stay in, and like, the person guys, next person. can you hit the water? It's not that hard because yeah. Then he said, so what happens is, you know, he walks into the stall. <laughs> 
and he sees all this piss uh, uh, on on the urinal or, or on the toilet. And now he's in a position where he has to clean up after the person who came <laughs> right. in or run the risk. If he walks out of the stall and the person looks at him coming in, they're going to think it was him. Yeah. Which is a problem. I agree. Anyway, biggest bet. So you were one, two, three, four. I'll give you four out of five. That's really good. Yeah. And I should have gotten number one. Yeah. So, okay. So you got mint chocolate chip. Yes. One of your uh, Instagram uh, franchises you've built is <laughs> eat it or beat it. Eat it or so beat it. So we actually have Girl Scout cookies here. Oh, Where we do? Yeah, we do. Um, are they right here? They're right there. Oh, gosh. This is <laughs> They're <it>. like... <laughs> so, okay. So we have we have one. I don't even know what this flavor is. Do you want to tell me or do I just get... No. Do you want me just to go? Okay. Yeah, you're going to go. So wait, let's talk about the okay. what you're doing first. You're okay. smelling it. <laughs> All right. So what's eat it or beat it? Um... So it started with Oreos. Oreos, I love. I don't know who doesn't love an Oreo, but um, they come out with all these crazy flavors, and it just kind of caught on. It was like a story thing that I just like to do, whether I want to eat it or beat it, beat it, yeah. love it or shove it. You know what I love mean? Love it or like, shove it. Yeah, okay. that was a, that was a number two. I like to eat it or beat it better. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got a lot out there, um, but yeah. So then, and because Oreo does like a bunch of random flavors, yeah, seasonally, and then it right? just caught on, and like campers or like club kids would just like come up to me at tournaments and give me Oreos right. just to try, or like if I couldn't find, you know, like a certain flavor, and yeah, then I would. Those things, okay, Somewhat so... Somewhat try and see okay, whether so, it was worth it or not. So you start okay. by smelling it. You start by smelling it. And so I'm smelling is like chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, that's all I smell. Okay. Okay, then we cheers it. Cheers it. <laughs> okay. right. Cheers. So you let it, you chew it a little bit. Yeah, I'm letting it taste. Let yeah, taste let it. Mm -hmm. What about looking at the Yeah, uh, you definitely look at the inside. Guts, yeah. <laughs> <God's>, ew. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I mean, this and is it's delicious. pretty binary. It's it's either you love it or you hate it. Yeah. So actually, this is and interesting. There's not a middle ground because most desserts live in the middle for me. Oh really? Yeah. So I started out by saying it's an eat it if I love it, but also if it tastes actually like what it says it is supposed to be. Oh. For Oreo, like because that. there yeah. was like, you know, Pumpkin melted spice. popcorn. Yeah, like pistachio. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. For Marcus, almost everything's an eat it, no matter what. But oh, really? for me, yeah. Oh my gosh, for me it was. So he's a shooter. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. Shoot shoot. Right. Um. But I would say this is needed. It. It's like nice little graham cracker chocolate. Yeah. S'mores thing. Brett, we have all these Girl Scout cookies, and you selected s'mores. 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 I was right. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. So, my taste buds aren't as this. sharp. They're not. No, no. I'm shocked I, by that. I just well, yeah, no. It's just not as important to me. At this stage, so, I get sharp around things that are important to me and dessert is not important <laughs> to me. So I have trouble being able to decipher what it is. I'm what about I just food chocolate. in general? Well, since I've gone vegan, my diet has got even more bland. Right. Because tofu is my primary wow. source of protein. Right. <laughs> Might as well I didn't realize you were full table. vegan. Yeah. Um, so I, I say there's two different types of people. People that eat to live. So probably you. And right. then people that live to eat, which is me. Yeah. So, you know, food based. I, I have a love affair with food. Yeah. And yeah. It, and you can also see it with your Alex Eats franchise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> These are just self-proclaimed franchises. that no, I. Yeah. This is the way you actually <laughs> formalize and then get a ton of sponsorship dollars exactly. to come in. Right. <laughs> so what's next for you? Oh, man. What's next for me? Um, 
I'm going to continue to play this summer, which I'm really excited about. Uh, lacrosse, I can't ever not imagine it in my life. Um, I find that I'm like, I, I'm a better coach when I'm playing, you know, with all the rule changes and stuff. Back when I was playing, which sounds terrible, but defenders couldn't run through the crease, right? So even internationally, they couldn't. So now, like, being able to play professionally when they can, it's how I can now coach it, you know? Like, it's really, I don't know why, it's really hard for me to not, I'm a doer, not so much, like, just watching film and learning from others. Um, and so I'll play, get to um, hopefully continue to grow the WPLL as much as I can, and um, coach as much as I can this summer, too, and kind of get to meet all these little laxers. And then, yeah, kind of growing my own brand, um, outside, but also still having my foot in the door with athletics. I find that I don't love the like influencer name. I just, I feel like that space is just massive and yeah. it's almost anyone can be an influencer. I, honestly, I think people with only a thousand followers are still influencing those a thousand people. No so, um, I, I think one of my best and biggest attributes is that I am an athlete and then a professional one at that. So kind of trying to be both, you yeah. know, um, and yeah, grow uh, maybe an Alex Eats franchise. Yeah, try and drag You'll Marcus along the way. Into sports and entertainment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I and I I enjoy it. I think that's like the thing. And people have asked me kind of like how to build their social or how to like post more. And I just think it's like do it when you want to do it. Like it's truly something for me that I enjoy doing. Like I love creating. I love trying out new things and being funny or trying to talk to new people and posting things and I love pictures I love taking pictures I love being in photos you yeah. know and so I understand that it's important for businesses to build because it's such a like incredible space that's free and accessible by everyone on their phone but um staying authentic I think is people can just sniff out bullshit yeah that's 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 exactly right and the the tricky part is that if, if you were to if, if we were to get to the core of any business and it's fundamentals of marketing and now it lives with social because it's right. direct access to consumer every single day the uh, basis of it is the the storytelling and yeah. the content by which you're tying that narrative through and there's this notion that any athlete or entertainer should be on social regularly and should be talented at it because they are in essence performers but the actuality is that many of them are not marketers, haven't taken marketing courses, haven't taken acting right. classes, aren't instructors. And uh, and so it does feel foreign and that's okay. Just like the assumption that a great marketer should all of a sudden be able to dunk a basketball. Right, exactly. So it's also fine and this is what part of what we do uh, with the PLL to, to help our athletes via creating content for them and giving them copywriting suggestions. And I know the WPLL is doing that as well. That is, uh, that is arguably more valuable because athletes are fast learners and at some point they will pick it up because just like any skill in life is repetition. Totally. Can help you build. Let me ask one more question. Yes. Uh, the women's game. So yes. uh, one of the things that I learned early on from watching the sport was one of the challenges was shooting space. Yeah. Because you have such dynamic athletes that are fast. The skill is very, very high. Um, the referees have a, a difficult challenge and herein lies the difference at, at, a, at a kind of a, a 30,000 foot level is that the men's game we have helmets women's game you don't right uh, I wish we didn't have helmets because any really? sport with yeah any sport with a helmet and this is just like pie in the sky but without a helmet you can see the face of the athlete 
And live sports like live news are the most powerful forms of storytelling because you don't know what's going to happen. It's the ultimate form of reality television. And then more importantly than the last second shot of the comfort behind victory, those moments have perennial value if you know the person who hit that last second totally. shot. You know, the Michael Jordans, LeBron James, the Lionel Messi's, Cristiano Ronaldo, we see their faces yeah. when they're performing. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm crying because it's, <laughs> it just means so much to me. So... So when they're performing, so with the NFL, like like lacrosse, we have to figure out ways to take the helmet off. Anyway, uh, if we did pull the helmet off, we'd have to change the density of the ball. And even if you were to take a tennis ball, which is softer, that thing flying in you know 100 miles an hour will fuck someone up. Right. So we're just going to be a helmet sport for as long as the ball's in the air. Um, that said, women's lacrosse recognizes the danger and that was the evolution of shooting space Shooting space, yes. because it you know we got to put player safety first now the tricky part is when a player is dodging through the middle and is winding up to take a shot and a defender's in the way they call it dead and that's a climatic moment as a viewer where you're like oh i just wanted to see that shot yes so anyway if there was a way for me to figure out how to either interpret that rule more at scale or adjust it figure out ways that didn't have to make that call knowing the hazards of it totally that's what i would address but i'm sure you've thought about other things what would you address in the women's game uh, well so i think shooting space has gotten better um they've now changed it where it's a little bit more like an and one in basketball so before it was like i do take the shot someone jumps in i ha they take that goal back i go on the eight meter which i thought was just ridiculous right yep. um now you actually you get that point and then you potentially get the ball at the draw. Um, so it's gotten better, but you mean as far as what I would want to change in the game right now? If there's anything. I'll um, tell you, I, think I mean, we've done a lot of changes yeah, in the men's game, yes, right? You That's have. the benefit of right. building I think, the league. Um, I think we've done a pretty good job. I think that now with a shot clock and with free movement, like free movement was huge. I think any outsider watching our game and just seeing this like, freeze tag thing didn't make sense to them um now it's just it's more fluid there's less whistles it um you know it makes it it just makes more sense and it's more fun to watch yeah. um what about pockets see so i'm like i saw some highlights i know by the way Wait, without who? pockets uh this this uh player who is in southern california who uh nick tintle just actually dm me and told me she's going to uh johns hopkins oh cool she works out at his facility and she uh, had this come from behind move. She did this jump shot fake, turn, toe drag, right. fake behind the back, put it behind the back. I'm like, what the fuck? How? <laughs> right. With an illegal pocket. I know. Um, I don't know. So, I mean, for me personally, I don't play with much of a pocket. I'm like pretty much a tennis racket. Yeah. Um, just works with my quicker releasing. And um, so I, I think that girls have figured out, I think sticks now are just, the technology is insane and now we are allowed to have mesh and we're allowed to have different things. Do that you use the mesh? I do not. Yeah. I'm pretty traditional. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mean to date myself or anything, but <laughs> I'm definitely traditional yeah. when it comes to pockets and stuff. I just like, you know, leathers and, um, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that that's any different. I do think though, like it's exactly, all of it is kind of straying away from having crazy physicality and checks having if it's a bigger pocket then people are shooting faster and i.e having to wear helmets or people are going to have to check the stick harder to get the ball out of the stick which means we'll have to be in pads so it it i think that it definitely takes a level of skill that's beyond impressive at a i mean i can go all day with this but at a smaller level like it can be frustrating to learn lacrosse as a female when you're younger. It's really hard to catch and throw. Yeah. And that's what turns a lot of people away. Mm. I think boys 
you have a big it's I mean if, you know if you can't catch you can't play so boys can catch because they have a bigger stick I think it gives them a little bit more of a cushion to be able to learn whereas females like sometimes I'm like I couldn't catch with this stick like yeah it's so it turns people away so if that's a change that had to happen I wouldn't be against it I'm kind of like I love the game the way it is but I'm not like a dinosaur that needs you know we yeah. have to have this many people I would say I would like there'd only be a six v six instead of seven v seven you like six because that was the thing that I was going to say you know, obviously, we we changed the shot clock. We changed the size of the field. We brought the two yeah. point arc in. I would love to figure out a way to play the game without helmets, even though, as I acknowledge, that's uh, that's not likely or even possible given the the style of play. Uh, so I, I I do believe that the value in being the, in the positions that we're in is try to constantly think yeah. abstractly around ways to improve, especially as a non core sport. And the most recent one is our adoption into the Olympics, which we're targeting in LA 2028. And there are a number of things that need to happen. There's first and foremost, a 10,000 athlete cap at the Olympics. And so right. that's why it's difficult to bring in team sports, because if you're looking at 12 to 18 participating countries and you're bringing on a sport that sidelines 23 players, yeah. both men's and women's, so you're 2Xing 12 times 23, you're just not gonna get right. into the games. Totally. And that's why it's easier to bring in individual sports. So they're talking about bringing the game down to six on six, and they want it to mirror each other. So that's also why I want to get a better pulse on where the women's game is going, where we need to go to kind of mirror each other. We're going to be better if we're like basketball and soccer right. that mirror each other. Right. So you like six on six? I do. You do? I do. I think it's fun. I think it's fast. I think it, exactly what you said, it makes sense, and it's the only way that I, I, I do think that we'll be able to get into the Olympics, which is the ultimate goal, to grow our sport to that level yeah. where we have that many countries playing would just be incredible. Yeah, and three billion people watching right. every two weeks. Right. Like that's, um, you can't Yeah, exactly. So else. I don't know. I think if that's what it needs to take, it it definitely changes the game a lot, changes the skill set of the type of player, um, which will be very interesting. You know, it's much more in tight have to have that stick work and be able to catch and finish everything instead of those pure athletes that are just, you know, long strides up and down that field running hundreds of yards all day. Like it's really kind of a hybrid between yeah. that and I would say box. If it's the game is in 2028 in LA, are you going to go for it? Oh my, how old will I be then? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm aged out. Of <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe I'll try to like Coach, coach I yeah, be there. right. I see. <laughs> I'll be on the sidelines, social something. Come yeah. on, get me in. Yeah. 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 No, that would be, I mean, that's definitely the goal. That would be, as much as I love, like, I want little girls and boys to see how awesome our sport is. And if it's an Olympic sport, then I think that that's what's going to make it that value. That's a global language. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's not lose our shit here, everyone, and realize that the rules are going to be changed. Right. But the global language in sports is being an Olympic athlete. Our athletes get access everywhere when totally. that happens. Right. I yeah. know we both have gold medals. We do. But it's not, it's not an the Olympic same. I know. Medal. I know. You're absolutely right. Um, and I mean. Everywhere. Ellen. Exactly. Jimmy Fallon. Oscars. <laughs> like yeah. that's what happens when you're an Olympic athlete. I completely agree. And our two and a half million participants turn to ten and a half million and probably twenty and a half million globally. Right. So we, we didn't say eat it or oh. eat it. <laughs> I, I think that I know where the direction you're headed. I'm, is, I'm saying eat it. Yeah. And, I, and by the rules. Are I, you this, saying beat it? It just doesn't really. I mean, I don't love it, first of all. And it doesn't taste. 
I, even though I've been eating it. And it doesn't taste like a s'more. No, it needs more marshmallow for sure. It's not, and I mean, but no s'more is going to taste like a s'more if it's not heat, like warm. Yeah, so by definition, if, you it's say li- it. if it's living in the middle for me, it's a beat it, right? Because I'm either loving it or I'm hating it. I love s'mores and I love, I haven't I've never it. seen a beat it on your channel anyway. <laughs> Does anything no, beat there it? No, there was. You got to no, have some more objectivity. Yeah, melted popcorn was terrible. Oh. Um, I'm not like a huge Red Velvet fan. Oh, I love Red Velvet. Oh, that would have been those will be great for me. Favorite yeah. one of all time, Oreo shout out is the chocolate peanut butter pie. Bye. Wow. Yeah. My favorite peanut butter is blended <laughs> on the spot at Whole Foods. It's the best. It's the fucking best. <laughs> All right. I got a good vegan uh, Twix bar recipe for you. Really? Marcus ate a whole batch of them last week. Yeah. Marcus I called me them. when I first went vegan a uh, number of months ago and was like, is this real, man? Or are you just doing this for social? And I was like, I'm just doing it for social. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? The Game Changers came out and you're like, I yeah, got to get on this yeah, trend. Yeah. <laughs> no, I needed to heal a bunch of swelling I had in my body, but it's been, but it's been helpful. Alex, cool. you have to bounce. Yes. We're, we're five minutes That's okay. in. Not over, five minutes oh, before. So sweet. you're good. You're going to a bunch of Under Armour stuff. Yeah. Modeling, influencing. Yes. I have like a... Doing what you're best at with yeah. your plane. Exactly. I'm cool. excited. Give a social media handle, shout out, so everyone follows Handle, you. pimp myself out. All yeah. Right. I am at Alex Aust underscore on Instagram. When can we kill this underscore? Who has at I've, Alex Aust? Do you know how many times I've DM'd him at Alex Aust. Oh, shit. Like, I don't well, they're, know. They're this, I need Let's someone. talk <laughs> offline because there are rules for acquiring handles. <laughs> I don't know, but I think you guys might be able to get me a blue check mark right here. You, don't have, ver- you don't have verified? No. Oh, well, now that you're on the Unbuckled podcast, <laughs> we can get you verified. We'll, yes. we'll work on that. Yeah, work on that. Yeah. Maybe a YouTube in the works. It's not, here, by we'll the way, it's not, let, me, let me just say, let me be clear. It's not going to take much work. It's going <laughs> to take one phone call and it'll happen. Oh, see, guys, it's not about what is it? What you do, it's who you know, right? Well, you said it. (laughs) We should just end this. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. All right. That's it. An awesome conversation with the wonderful Alex Oss. Thanks to each of you for listening to another episode of Unbuckled Chinstrap. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your pods. Give us a five-star rating and leave a comment on a question you want me to ask to a future guest. That is my request to you. So thank you in advance for doing that. If you haven't done it already, and if you've done it already, you're amazing. Now, next, I want you to follow Alex Aust on Instagram. We plugged it during the show, but that is at Alex Aust underscore. Hopefully she's now verified per the conversation that we had. At the moment of me recording this, she's not. So Vince, if you're listening, can you help? Next week on the show... Actually, I can't tell you who's going to be on the show next week because we recorded with three different PLL players and we're going to make that decision based off of which one was the best. So we'll talk to you then. That's next Wednesday. Mm.